Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Game Night with Eddie, and I'm your host here, Eddie Soul. Hope you guys are having a great Friday night. I'm over here just chilling, winding down, just had Korean barbecue for the first time in probably three, two years, and it's awesome, especially when you have it in moderation like that. Um, Just wanted to recap here. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the games that happened over the weekend. Obviously, a lot of people are still talking about the Rams and Saints game and the the hugest no-call in probably all of NFL history. And then we're going to be talking uh, the Pats and the Chiefs. Um, Also, I do want to make a note. You know, I know that um, people who do podcasts and analysis and you know whatnot commentators on sport they love to tell everybody how they were right about predictions and whatnot and i'm no different i'm telling you i am no different (laughs) um just want to say i called the rams game i knew the rams game is going to be a close game it was definitely going to be um decided on one possession or like fewer and i had the rams winning by one point i thought they were going to win 28 27 didn't think it was going to be a shootout like last game between these two teams um but it ended up playing out kind of how i thought it was going to be playing out um except that crazy no call i mean i'll touch on it a little bit but only because I've had to really digest a lot of information regarding that call. Um, I like to listen to ESPN LA 710 radio um, on, on the AM, like to and from work. So I get a lot of, you know, conversations about that. And then I check out a couple shows like ESPN, Undisputed, and then First Take and whatnot. Um check out those shows to really I mean in situations like these where something has never happened like it before in the NFL I can't compare it to anything that I've seen before um I do need outside you know information I need something else uh someone's more expert take on it for me to say something so um, I'll just say a couple pieces about that um, in this episode. But what I'll mostly be doing is doing the play-by-play sort of... I want to be reliving this freaking crazy Patriots-Chiefs game. I called it as well. 38-28, Patriots beating the Chiefs. And I predicted it was going to be another Rams versus Patriots Super Bowl and you can go back to my last podcast i did say those scores and sure enough patriots were at some point trailing by the chief to the chiefs um by 28 points and before scoring that touchdown in overtime we were 31 28 so we were going to score 38 points reason why we didn't score 38 is because it was overtime we ran it in for a touchdown so we technically 
were or we did score the 38 that I said we were going to score, but the, pay, the Chiefs uh, scoring that extra field goal. I mean, I'm surprised I got this one so good. 38-28 I predicted and ended up being 37-31. Um, but we'll be talking about that and we'll also be briefly looking over... I mean, I took extensive notes on the Golden State Laker game um, on the 21st of this month, which was like uh, last Sunday, I believe. And then I also took notes on yesterday's game uh, against the Timberwolves. And both of those games, by the way, by the Lakers, losses. So I don't want to spend too much time covering Laker losses, although, um, you know, I'm already a little bit behind on the games, meaning there are two Laker games that we're going to have to cover in this episode. Um, They're both losses. I don't want to dig too deep into what's going on, but I think something worth mentioning is something that both of these games have in common, which is... No LeBron, and without LeBron, Lakers keep losing, Lakers keep losing, and more questions are being raised about this team, who can be dispensable, who, you know, is not going to be on the team by the trade deadline, who is going to be on the team by the trade deadline, Um, do we need a new coach in LA, I mean... You start winning and these questions starts going away, but the if you keep losing, especially games you shouldn't be losing, you know, questions are gonna keep coming, coming, and you know, I thought that the questions at the beginning of the season with LeBron James coming in were enough to really entertain weeks and really fill days of. Uh, you know, commentary about this Lakers squad, especially because it's LeBron James and everyone likes to talk about LeBron James teams, but there's a good reason for it. And of course, we're going to have a piece on LeBron James and Luke Walton's Lakers. So thanks for tuning back into game night with Eddie. And without further ado, let's get into it. January 20th 2019 in Arrowhead Stadium New England Patriots against the Chiefs we had a prediction here coming into this game Patriots were going to win 38-28 let's dig in to some of my game notes and see how this game played out so we're going to start here Five minutes left in the first quarter. Patriots are up seven to nothing. So Mahomes, a couple of incomplete passes due to great coverage. And Kyle Vianoi gets a sack on a stunt play up the middle to force a fourth and 24. The Chiefs punt to 
Julian Edelman for a 12-yard return. And during this drive, Tony Romo was mentioning that maybe Bill Belichick um, gives up some holding calls on defense because of the coverage um, on the Chiefs. You know, Chiefs definitely stacked talented team, but what we saw this game was they double covered Tyreek Hill. They basically had an answer for Travis Kelsey and the other players like Sammy Watkins. They were error essentially. Uh, they they found a solution for most of the wide receivers for most part of this game, and the defense sometimes had to give up, you know, some penalties. And there were some very questionable calls in this game, um, but I think the consensus for I guess most of the people watching this game was that the calls, although maybe some leaned one way or another the aggregate calls by the refs were fair so maybe some calls were leaning to favor the Patriots or maybe some calls were leaning to favor the Chiefs but in total I think the refs called a fair game this game Uh, which is definitely a different case for the Saints Rams game but we'll get into that just a little bit now Chiefs punt the ball Patriots now with the ball with sec, um, in the second quarter, 7.45 left, and the Patriots at this moment not able to finish a drive off, and were forced to punt, um, and the offensive steam this drive was muffled by the drop ball by James White, and the Chiefs able to stop the run on the third and one. Now Mahomes with the ball back, um, hits Tyreek Hill on a crossing route. He was crossing from the left side of the field to the right, double teamed by McCourty, um, but he still is able to catch the ball in stride and hits the pats for 42-yard gain to the Patriots' 23-yard line. And this was with uh, four minutes left in that second quarter. And then all of a sudden, you see Trey Flowers coming down the right side of Mahomes, putting a nice outside move um, juke to the inside put an outside move on the blocker and he hits Mahomes for a sack a loss on third down of 14 um, and he made fourth and 23 so granted um, the Chiefs here on the 23 yard line and they get down to a fourth and 23 so they're forced to punt with two minutes left in that second half i mean three minutes left in the second half now patriots receive the ball and they continue to feed sonny michelle who keeps pushing forward for first downs i mean this guy was lighting it up um against the chiefs for the majority of this game probably 75 percent of the game sonny michelle was just too much for the chiefs and then the, the running plays set up a screen for James White for a huge gain uh, with 44 seconds left in the second half. And what I saw so far was definitely a lot of runs and safe passes, screens that were successful for the Patriots. And finally, 
Um, after chipping away down the field, Philip Dorsett gets hit on an out and up down the left side of the field, uh, down the left sideline for a 23-yard pass touchdown by Tom Brady to make it 14-0 with 27 left in the second quarter. 27 seconds. Whew. All right. Now, with third quarter underway, uh, the Patriots conceded, I believe, um, or the Chiefs actually kicked off at half uh, to begin the game, and so they received at halftime. And off that starting drive, Van Noy was rushing the left side of the Kansas City offensive line to force a fumble sack on Patrick Mahomes. And, oh, that's actually how they closed off. So what a momentum shift, you know what I mean? Um, Brady hits Philip Dorsett with a 29-yard pass. And then with a couple seconds left in the game, Van Noy rushes the left side of the Kansas City offensive line. And forces a fumble sack on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes recovers the fumble. Um, but that is how they close out the half. So already not a good outing for the Chiefs the first half. Defense playing lights out. Perfect execution of the game plan that is meant to slow down Tyree Kill, Mahomes, Kelsey, and that whole connection. Tony Romo's input at this halftime was mentioning the same thing you're saying the double team on hill playing aggressive off the line of scrimmage they were jamming tyree kill jamming travis kelsey all the other receivers so that they can uh, never really get their footing right to start their routes um we were blitzing and pressuring down the middle which is something that uh, even in the first Kansas City game was effective for the Patriots. Uh, they were containing the flush, so they were going down the middle and containing Patrick Mahomes, not allowing him to go outside of the defenders. Um, those defensive ends really stepping up. Trey Flowers having a great season. Um, and really on full display against uh, Patrick Mahomes that first half. Now, Kansas City... I mean, just what what a heck of a team, honestly, to keep fighting back. And you can tell that if Paige, if Tom Brady continues to be in the AFC, he's going to see a whole lot of Patrick Mahomes in the next couple of years, definitely in the playoffs. I mean, this, this kid is something special. He got the ball in the third quarter, 13 minutes into the third quarter. Uh, Sammy Watkins covered by Gilmore for... Uh, a huge gain, 54 yards, Tyreek Hill, um, not really a huge factor. So Sammy Watkins was able to gain 54 yards on a third and three. And um, right after that, uh, Travis Kelsey gets hit with a 12-yard touchdown. Uh, and he was being covered by J.C. Jackson, which J.C. Jackson, taller cornerback, um inexperienced and you could tell in that 12 yard touchdown that it was just Kelsey's route to run 
and you could tell it was a timing sort of experience route going against a younger uh i believe rookie in jc jackson uh jc jackson though this whole season playing lights out really amazing technical and very athletic fast player um think if we could hold on to him he's gonna be huge he's already been huge with uh stefan gilmore um on the field as well so that's a touchdown for the chiefs 12 yard touchdown for kelsey now 14 to 7 and then the patriots with three and out on third down they battled uh it was a batted down pass intended for gronk although gronk was covered well by eric berry um with the chiefs now having the ball pat's defense uh Got another sack off a stunt play with Guy and Flowers off the left side of Mahomes, forcing him into the crowded middle. So another three and out by Kansas City. And Julian Edelman uh, returns the ball to the Kansas City 36-yard line with 7 minutes and 38 seconds left in the third. So the special teams play, uh, I think in this game was very special in terms of our punting uh return ability it really set the tone for the drives and where they started good field position i think greg zerline and uh who's that i forget the the punter's name for the rams but they have a phenomenal punter, and I think that's going to be a very important aspect of the game that the Patriots are still going to have to, you know, just play lights out and be very sound in their uh, fundamentals. So, as I was mentioning, 14-7, and New England forced to kick a field goal with four minutes left in the third quarter, making it 17-7. to still getting down the field though you know patriots although you know they're playing to win the game they understand that any points against the chiefs are absolutely necessary um playing it safe but playing it smart now 17 to 7 patriots are up mahomes sidearm clutch throw on third and second for first down and then 33 yard burst down the right sideline to set up another first down um, within the Patriots 30 yard line and then that ends the third quarter so he hits Damian Williams down the right side of the Patriots um, I'm sorry of the offensive unit and as they're making their way down the field closing up the third quarter into the fourth quarter the defensive pits pass interference are Cyrus Jones um, covering Kelsey um, allows for a Patrick Mahomes pass to Damian Williams and you know a one yard touchdown pass too easy for Patrick Mahomes and the running back making it 14 to 17 with 14 minutes 50 seconds left in the game now the Patriots have the ball and it's a three point game so Brady Hits Edelman in the middle of the field for the big first down. And we see Brady being accurate, incorporating the backfield into the passing game. 
and Brady able to just pick apart the defense and see the mismatches. So with 9 minutes, 47 seconds left in the fourth, it's fourth and inches, and Bill Belichick goes for it, uh, giving uh, Burkhead the ball, but he's actually stopped short, and it's a turnover. I think this critical point in the game, especially for the Kansas City defense to stop Burkhead here on a fourth and short, fourth and inches, as the Patriots were driving down the field. So... um, with Kansas City getting the ball on the turnover it's a third and eight eight minutes 50 seconds left in the game and the Patriots call a cover zero all-out blitz and force the punt so another turnover by the Chiefs they're not able to put score up um, you know closing in on eight minutes uh, six minutes into the game still 17-14 so crazy call one of the calls here i I wrote it down five minutes 35 seconds left into the fourth quarter almost end of the game here and then officials called a muff punt by julian edelman covered by and it was recovered by kansas city but the replay shows that there was no contact so the call was overturned the patriots have the ball and then brady gets picked off that next play so it's Bounces off of Edelman and Sorensen, one of the safeties, I believe, catches the interception with seven minutes, 25 seconds left in the game. Um, Crazy. I mean, one of the announcers was saying, I think it was, uh, it wasn't Tony Romo, but his counterpart was mentioning uh, that there's a saying in basketball that the ball never lies. And sure enough, they called the muffed uh, punt on Julian Edelman. It didn't touch him, but sure enough, Jules gives up the interception. And now with Kansas City with the ball, another play happens where the New England challenges um, a complete pass. And the ruling is confirmed, an incomplete pass. But um, Mahomes able to just knock it in Damian Williams I saw it from the the hut you saw him just scorch down the right side of the field down the right sideline um off a wheel route and you know Mahomes just too good seeing that mismatch and it's a 23 yard pass to Damian Williams against all out pressure and it's a touchdown now Kansas City with 21 to 17 lead now for fourth quarter six minutes left in the game third down and Chris Hogan across the middle the defender draped all over him and makes a crazy catch challenged by Kansas City and this is another challenge you know within 10 minutes of the game two challenges already on catches one went in the favor of the Patriots because it actually was um uh what's it called it was an incomplete pass by the Kansas City Chiefs and you saw this Chris Hogan catch it was a catch you saw him maybe the ball was moving but it was moving within his possession so he had the ball the whole time he had it gripped against his body as he was going down he caught it with one hand it was an incredible catch 
um, so it was challenged by Kansas City, but it, it held up as a catch. That was six minutes left in the game. Patriots still with the ball, and Sonny Michelle hits a 10-yard run to give us a three-point lead. Three minutes, 32 seconds left in the game. We're up 24-21. to 21. Amazing, right? We're... It's a back and forth game at this point. I was on the edge of my seat. It was crazy. I love it. Let's keep going. Um, we were up 24 to 21. Then closing in on the two minute warning, Sammy Watkins wide open on the left sideline down to the two yard line. And then Damian Williams runs it in. He has three touchdowns, Damian Williams, in the this fourth quarter. It's incredible. So Kansas City back up 28 to a 24. And this is where I started to freak out because with this touchdown by Damian Williams, um, two minutes left into the game, I'm like, my prediction is kind of coming true. I predicted Kansas City was going to score 28. But I also predicted that Patriots were going to score 38. And we had 24. We needed two more touchdowns. And then my prediction would have came true. But here's what happens. Now, with 50 seconds left in the game, Patriots have the ball. It's 24 to 28. And we have a first down overturned on the review. Now, 10 seconds go by. It's 42 seconds left in the game. Huge one-on-one with Gronk and Eric Berry to get us the first down and on the four-yard uh, four line of the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, 39 seconds left in the game. Burkhead up the middle the, by the left tackle for a touchdown. We're up 31-28. to 28. And Mahomes doesn't need much. Two great throws, putting Kansas City in field goal range. Butker with the field goal. And here we go. 31 to 31, 11 seconds left in the game. We went into overtime. And then Slater chose heads. We won the toss, and you almost felt. I mean, I've seen this before, you know. I've been watching the Patriots for 14 years, ever since I was a kid. My first year playing tackle football, I saw the Patriots play Super Bowl, and I said, I can't believe what that quarterback just did that is my favorite player ever this is my favorite team ever ever since then i was hooked ever since 14 years ago i haven't seen anything like this but i somehow felt this weird crazy confidence that when we called heads and we won the toss that tom brady was just gonna go down that field and close this shit out i'm sorry close this game out So, Tom Brady gets the ball. He hits Edelman. Two for two on third and ten. And then on another third and ten, hits Gronk with the crucial um, touch pass to lead Rex Burkhead wide open. For a touchdown run into the Super Bowl. 
and then the Patriots win 37 to 31. Tom Brady, incredible. Incredible in overtime. You saw him try to rely on other players not named Edelman and Gronk. You saw those players drop balls. But then you saw on third down and 10. Third down and what seemed like forever. Third down and what seemed like maybe the end of the season and Edelman with incredible catches just absolute you know hypnotic psychotic connection with Tom Brady and spatial awareness knowing exactly where to be and then Gronk and Brady the divine connection to give us this sort of like road for Burkhead to just rush into the touchdown. Send us into the Super Bowl. Patriots win 37 to 31. Let's go. Craziest thing about this game is how Brady was not touched at all. Barely. He was definitely like touched a little bit after throwing the pass, after getting uh, the ball off making completions but never was he sacked in this game offensive line has been outstanding underrated to the nth degree first drive went for 15 plays 80 yards time of possession by the Patriots 42 minutes Tom Brady 30 for 46 348 yards a touchdown, two interceptions. D. Ford was offsides, could have made it three interceptions and cost us the game. But the Patriots will take advantage of any little mistake that you make. D. Ford, I'm sorry, my brother. You were offsides and you let us go to the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, 16 for 31, 295 and three touchdowns. Now, those touchdowns were. You know, big old explosions. But 16 for 31 for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you saw what he did this whole year. I'm not going to underestimate that or undermine it whatsoever. But he probably didn't play his best game this game. And, um, you know, I'm going to credit the Patriots. Secondary, I'm going to credit their ability to come up with some sort of pass rush when everybody thought that they had none. Patrick Mahomes, he'll be great. He'll be great. This wasn't his game. This wasn't his team's game to win. I think experience showed up in situations. um, And... That's, that's what it was. I mean, the offensive line for the Patriots just made the situation for the Chiefs a situation where they had to cover while Brady had all the time in the world. That was their situation. It's hard to overcome that. Brady will not make that an easy sort of like, you know, 
frolicking the flowers experience for you. He will tear you apart. Now, Patriots going to the Super Bowl, playing the Rams. I'm just going to talk a little bit about this Rams game. Honestly, I only saw a little bit towards the end. I saw the call. Crazy that I tuned in for that crazy no call. I think Rams ended up playing the game that they needed to play. And ultimately, the Saints didn't show up in the biggest moment that that mattered the most. Um, Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, I mean... You could, you can't, you you can't really like say enough what those two mean for this team, and then for them to not show up this game, like obviously you lost. You're not gonna win games where Michael Thomas and Drew Brees are almost silent, unheard of. But then, you know, credit the uh, the secondary, credit the the pass rush again, and the coaching of the Rams to go in there with probably that game plan um, to, you know, absolutely that game plan to, to shut down Michael Thomas. You know, Alvin Kamara wasn't able to really get off and have a crazy game. But, you know, Rams inking their way into another Super Bowl and people on the radio, on the air, um, put it up for sort of like interpretation um what would it mean for the rams to win this game if they win this game they have an asterisk you know next to their win because maybe they shouldn't have won that game you know maybe that pass interference call gets called and the saints score on that possession forcing the Saints defense to try to make a stop and if they make a stop they go to the Super Bowl so you had there a series of very very um, probable outcomes and one play sort of changed everything it is what really what's going on here and it's really sparked a debate on the replay I've always been one to believe that uh, every play should be available uh, so you could I've always believed that you should be able to challenge no calls meaning a ref misses a call but you thought it was a call that should be able you should be able to challenge on that basis but the rules say that you that that's not possible you can only challenge calls and then you have a limited sort of like um you know within two minutes every call is reviewed so your challenges are sort of like you know almost egged on or not egged on you know like by the officiating crew and i don't think the officiating crew did their best in this situation to stop the game review the call um take some time to check in with new york and stephen a smith mentioned why didn't they have like a uh override button in new york since they do have officials checking in on the game why don't they have an override button when they say hey they did miss that call let's uh let's make that call and you know fix the game live 
that should have been the, the solution, I think, uh, and it should be the solution moving forward. We can't have games being decided on, um, you know, bad officiating. That was bad officiating. I saw how that play happened. There were three officials looking at those two players, and none of them threw a co- the flag. Are you kidding me? There was helmet to helmet contact. The dude didn't turn around for the ball. And he basically tackled him. Tackled him right into the sideline out of the play. There should have been a flag. Everyone knows there should have been a flag. The outcry is for that fact alone there should have been a flag so that at least the saints can challenge something the the messed up part here is that there was nothing after deliberation after the refs taking a look at each other after them taking a look at you know that player getting knocked out there was still no call I think that's a mess up. I think there should be room for improvement uh, by the NFL with that regard. And we hope to see it. We hope to see it soon. Now, that's my take on the championship games that happened. Um, Just a couple more notes on the Rams since we're going to be talking about them a little bit into the future next week. Um this game they won it without Todd Gurley having a crazy game without Jared Goff going crazy either uh, it was Anderson it was situational football it was their defense and will that be enough to uh, outscore the Patriots will that be enough to um, dethrone the dynasty put everything out of whack in the NFL and really just change the course we'll find out or we'll talk about it next time (laughs) on dragon ball z no i'm kidding we'll find out and we'll talk about it next time on the on the next game night but for this next segment we're going to talk about the couple of laker losses or the last couple of games but for now We're glad that the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. Stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. All right. Thanks for tuning back in. So we're talking about the Lakers. They played Golden State on the 21st of January and let's just give you a little taste here of the dominance sheer dominance of the Warriors over the Lakers this game 11 minutes 38 seconds into the third quarter or left in the third quarter I should say Golden State up 65-55 only a 10 point lead let's go um 72-58 now Golden State up and Kuzma on a line drive down the court off a steal 
but Clay Thompson at this point with 30 points and six pointers, six three pointers made. Um, Clay Thompson balled out this game, absolutely balled out. So that was the main difference. Lakers playing this game of twos, you know, can't get a bucket if it's not within five yards of the bucket. Um, and obviously, Clay Thompson is having the range of, uh, you know, shooting from Englewood, as some of the uh, announcers were saying, you know, uh, downtown, basically, he had quite the performance. He had 30 points with six three-pointers made um, here in this by the third quarter, by the middle of the by the beginning of the third quarter. So he uh, he helped the the Warriors here be on a 80 to 60 lead. Clay Thompson at this point seven for seven from three-point range. They went on a 15-5 run, mostly made by the Lakers' inability to guard or get off the pick-and-roll on Clay, and contest his three-pointers. So the looks are way, just almost way too easy for him. And the Warriors were playing with all their starters, Clay, Steph, KD, Boogie Cousins making his first start, and Draymond Green. Um, 85-60, closing up that third quarter. Now almost into this, so into the fourth quarter, 92 to 63, Warriors lead. Lakers with horrible effort defensively, allowing wide open looks and not um, rushing or you know crowding to the ball to at least play team defense. Offensively, Lakers taking awful shots and even missing wide open looks. They had no confidence. You could see it in their play. You could see it in their uh, just sheer body language. It was not happening for the Lakers. And I think that's a coaching thing. I understand. So I read something recently that said that LeBron's camp wants Luke Walton out. Listen, it's 92, for example, in this game. 92 to 63. And the players are not playing with energy. You see this game in, game out. There's 82 games in the season. Of course, these players are, you know, going to be tired some games, especially when they know they're going to be wiped out on the floor by the end of the game, basically by a monstrous team, almost fictitious out of a movie. But isn't the point of a coach... Especially in the NBA when the players already know how to play ridiculous ball. Isn't the point of a coach to go in and motivate a team? To, to get these players to, to have a perspective on the game that will allow them to, I don't know, play with like more energy. Play with more sort of intention of like, let me go and make a statement. I don't see that from this team a lot. I don't see that these players want to like prove anything. I think they see that they are are either hot, making shots, and they feel they're going to win because they're making shots and they're feeling hot, or it's a struggle 
it's a battle and you know what they're just not all gonna show up for all 48 minutes because it's a struggle to try to come up with the win that's what I see sometimes and it's frustrating as as a fan um it's frustrating because you think that your coach you think that your team is playing here with like the heart that you like kind of expected to expect them to play especially you know this season sort of being one that they could be possibly in the running for the playoffs uh, but they're sliding their positioning is sliding here in the western conference and you know lebron james being out doesn't help but these players aren't helping themselves at the end of the day now the lakers over here stuttering or barely able to resuscitate any sort of offense and warriors just roaring by 168 at one point in the game and by this point 100 points to 68 by the lakers clay thompson was 10 out of 10 a career high an nba record 44 40 point and he had 44 points this wasn't even by the end of the fourth quarter actually this is the end of the third the warriors outscored la in the third quarter 45 to 25 by a whole 20 points and they led at the end of the third 110 to 80 they led by 30 points see I shouldn't have even watched the rest of this game. And I don't think I did. But I'll I'll lead you guys down the little rabbit hole that I went with these Lakers uh, against the Warrior team. Just to see, like, you know, what's their reaction, mostly, um, to a very just more dominant team. Lakers able to get something running and instead of being down 30 they closed the lead a little bit 110 to 82 Golden State putting Boogie in as a point guard at this point for essentially a third string team that they had on the court 10 minutes 48 seconds left into the fourth quarter now Golden State slowing down a little bit themselves 110 to 88 Beasley with a nice you know run uh, nice finishes coming across the key from left to right and banks it off the glass midair um, and then Golden State not hitting their shots allowing the Lakers to close the lead a little bit um, ridiculous lead by the way uh, fourth quarter still nine minutes ten minutes, seconds left and we're essentially operating for the two-pointer at this point. There's no way that we can make threes. Lakers are all of a sudden, uh, we got a score mode, and that should have gone on, I don't know, maybe like crazy in the second quarter. But for some reason, when they're behind in the beginning, their first reaction is to start, start shooting threes. When in reality, they're so much better at putting their heads down driving to the paint and getting those twos not gonna lie it was cool to see them to score a little bit you know 
closing the gap just a little bit 117 to 98 um with five minutes left makai luke hitting a three caruso making his debut uh getting the offense to play at a good competitive level and energy closing the gap on the lead but obviously the monsters prevailing golden state wins 130 to 111 final now minnesota timberwolves against the lakers rajon rondo back in for this game this was yesterday at 7 30 p.m and the game starts off with rondo hitting a three-pointer 13 to 11 lakers are losing and we are starting kcp rondo zubox ingram and kuzma pretty cool lineup and ingram already getting a little hot in the game in the beginning 15 to 15 and ingram pushing the ball up and down the middle to drive for two pointers by this point lebron had been out 15 games so far the most in his career um while michael beasley and touch buckets to the score and lakers still down but it's a one-point game here in the first quarter, 20 to 19. And Rondo showing, you know, no signs of rust, uh, giving us the lead, 20 to 22 with a three-pointer. And you could tell he really wanted to play. Rondo feeding the ball off a steal for the dunk and a timeout for the Tim Wolves when the Lakers had a lead, 22 to 26 in the first quarter. Um, then we end up clo- closing that first quarter with a lead, 28 to 29, just a one point lead. And then eight minutes, 20 seconds left in that second quarter. We end up tying it up again, 37, 37, new ball game. Then we keep a short lead, um, six minutes, 38 seconds left in the second. The Laker players playing great team defense and taking advantage of turnovers by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Lance Stevenson with a steal passes across the court to a sprinting Josh Hart to drive down the right side of the hoop, lays it up and in, while KAT Carl Anthony Towns attempts to rise up and block the shot. Just a, a little picture of what honestly can go down, what can happen for this Laker team once we play with a pay pace a sense of urgency we can really get down and start scoring them buckets even though we only are probably like more proficient at scoring two pointers i think the faster the more we're able to get into a groove in games the better we're going to be off Uh, the more we can protect ourselves defend ourselves from uh, teams gaining 30 points on us so with three minutes left in the game, we still have a one. I mean, with three minutes left in the second quarter, Lakers still up 48-47. And then by this point, you know, almost the second half is almost done. Kuzma, zero from five from the three-point line, zero points. Unbelievable, right? Um, but we're in the, we end up the closing the second half. I'm sorry. We end up closing the second quarter and the first half with a lead, 
five-point lead, 61-56. to KCP and Rondo with the last couple points. Tough buckets driving to the cup. Um, it was KCP against KAT, and KAT fouled out. Carl Anthony Towns fouled out in that first half. So the second half is going to be a different tale of the tape, different story altogether. The Wolves making adjustments, and the Lakers, probably another reason why LeBron and his camp, quote-unquote, according to CBS um, Sports, LeBron and his camp wanting Luke Walton out, probably having something to do with adjustments. Lakers not able to adjust to anything in the second half, and the Wolves taking advantage. So we start off a little hot. Uh, 7 minutes, 30 seconds left. I do apologize. So this whole second half, we are playing behind. And we are just trying to trying to stay in the game. So with 7 minutes, 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter, the Wolves have a 9-point lead, 98-89. to 89, And they sort of maintain this lead. Josh Hart able to score a couple three-pointers to get us within range. But then Towns with the rebound and the two-pointer. Ingram with the distance jumper for two. But then KAT bringing back the dunk on McGee. Five minutes left in the fourth. Just Carl Anthony Towns just crazy in this fourth quarter. Hits a three, forcing a Laker timeout. And now the shooting percentage by this time... Um, by the Lakers, if Carl Anthony Towns is able to get threes off, that means that the Lakers are doing nothing to defend and they're not getting their shots off because other players on the other team have confidence now. Oh, that team isn't shooting? Let me get up and shoot because i got to you know, extend this lead for the squad because this other team can't even shoot. They can't even shoot. i got to put a bucket up. Um... Carl Anthony Towns hitting three-pointers on Lakers. Crazy. Lakers shooting percentage, terrible across the field. We were doing terrible in free throws, in three-pointers, and from the field altogether. With three minutes left in the fourth quarter, we were down 111 to 99. And Minnesota had 32 second-chance points, meaning the Lakers gave up rebounds that immediately turned into points. And they were having to chase those points the whole game. Basically that whole second half. And I have this theory. I have this theory that the Lakers stall. They have like this weird gear stall. Between nine, scoring 90 to 9. So they can this, basically the Lakers can never burst through 90 points into the hundreds they stall around 95 if you're going to call it the middle point obviously it's the middle point between 90 and 100 if the lakers are anywhere in between 90 and 100 for some reason that offense stalls in the fourth quarter stalls absolutely stalls how is it that minnesota is up 111 to 99 with 2 minutes 40 seconds left in the game. And then the final score is 120 to 105. Lakers only able to score 6 points. 
in 2 minutes and 40 seconds in a basketball game in the NBA. You're telling me you scored two three-pointers in 2 minutes and 40 seconds of a professional NBA game. That's something that's wrong with the Lakers. This whole season, I've seen it. That's a stat that I'm coming up, a theory that I'm coming up with myself. I haven't heard anyone else say it. I don't know if it means anything, but the Lakers cannot burst through the 90 sort of point range. I think that's a problem because it doesn't allow you to have any sort of separation on a team in the fourth quarter. You could have a team down 20 points. You're up 95 you know, to 70 something. Next thing you know, they're they're 91 to your 96, and you can't you can score what six points in three minutes, while the other team scores a whole nine points in the same amount, and they already had a 12 point lead. It's ridiculous. I think it's 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 absurd. And I think there are a lot of questions, actually, for this Lakers squad, more so than we probably hoped, actually, to have. And maybe this injury by LeBron. I mean, see, this losing brings so many things into question. And even, like, just a regular person like me starts to question things. Like, for example... I'm questioning myself right now. What if LeBron's injury isn't as serious as it is, right? And he's really just exposing the Lakers, exposing this team, this young group of guys, this young coach. He's trying to expose them to um, to what they really are. Because when they were with him and he was on the court, they were winning games. He's probably wanting to expose these players to the rest of the NBA, especially to Magic Johnson um, and the ownership. He wants to show them, hey, here's what actual value these players have. They haven't been winning games. And you want to throw me back in there after a groin injury. You want me to start winning games for this squad. I think LeBron James is sort of this little mastermind going into this Lakers team. And honestly demanding Mora from it. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think there's a lot of people that hold LeBron James accountable for destroying teams or, you know, firing head coaches. No one can coach under LeBron. He has to be the coach. Maybe he's just demanding more out of everybody around him than other people want to get or are willing to demand from themselves. Maybe that's the true question here. I don't know. But it definitely seems that way to me because it does seem like these young Lakers are getting exposed. Straight up facts. You can't call yourself a baller and then fuck. And I'm sorry. And then 
not show up to a game and then bring almost zero effort to a game get blown out miss five three-pointers and not play like you just want to get to the damn rim I'm sorry Kuzma but you're supposed to be the number two bro you had a couple games over 30 maybe three games over 30 in the like 10 plus games now that LeBron's been out like what's going on Ingram Josh Hart and KCP all of a sudden can't shoot three-pointers anymore. They're supposed to be our shooting guards. Like, this is questions that we've been, like, having for the Lakers, even with LeBron. But then, like, I think with LeBron out, these get accentuated because we're not winning games. And at the same time, we do need another player. Like, these players are looking to be subpar some of them, you know, or at least not to the level that can be of assistance to a team that's in the Western Conference battling against, you know, Timberwolves who are all of a sudden, you know, a little tougher version of the Lakers because they just play tougher. Some games. They're kind of like the Lakers right now, honestly. But what I, I guess, what I well, the team that I really wanted to say is like the Rockets. When you have teams like the Warriors, who are gonna keep and keep winning games, the Nuggets. These teams are gonna keep playing and keep winning games. They're gonna keep playing like they want to win games, and the Lakers are keep. The Lakers keep playing like they want to stay in the game. I haven't seen a full sort of like dominant effort out of this whole squad without LeBron. That's a question that I need to continue to poke at and see um, if I figure it out um, by looking at this team. And I think we're going to be... You know, in for a surprise, you know, we're going to cross our fingers to see that everything works out well for the squad for the trade deadline. Um, we will probably get into like what teams, you know, we're going to be talking to and what players we're going to be inquiring for. We already know that basically everyone is on the chopping block. You know, I saw reports that said initially that Zubak and Josh Hart were at first, you know, the ones sort of like on the chopping block. And then it's Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma added to the mix. So they were just added after these last two games. I guarantee that these last two games happened this week. I heard that Zubak and Josh Hart thing last week. I just heard the, you know, the the Lonzo, Ingram, and Kuzma on the chopping block. I heard that just today. So we'll see, man. Um, 
we're gonna keep monitoring our Lakers. We're hoping that we at least make it to the eighth seed, make it into the playoffs, and that LeBron is healthy. In the meanwhile, we're gonna keep tabs on this team. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to Game Night with Eddie. It's been great. Hope you all have a great night. Thank you. Keep tuning in, y'all. Deuces. Thank you.